of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight for it is you Lord that's my strength and my redeemer now Lord you've afforded me another opportunity to stand at a sacred desk and preach and proclaim your gospel so I pray now Lord that you would prick my heart prick my mind put the words on my tongue that will edify you and then that will help your people who are on this journey push on just a little while longer. And then, Father, if there's one out of the ark of safety that's here today, I pray that you would dispatch your personal angel to interpret for them the word of God, that they might receive exactly what it is that you want them to hear in this word. Bless us now as we dine together in this your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The book of 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 7 through 11. Amen. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 7 to 11. Amen. This is the New International Version. And one of the things that uh, I have uh, begun to do over the last year or two at United Amen. So many times we preach and, and it's more of a shotgun. Amen. But uh, uh, folk need um, sometimes single shots. Amen. And so what, what we do at United <coughs> is uh, uh, we teach, amen, the Sunday school lesson on Sunday. And I preach a portion thereof on, uh, in the sermon. And then we dissect it on Wednesday. Amen. And then if you still ain't got enough, amen, we have a Saturday event, amen. And so you get saturated with the same word, amen, amen, that you might grow, amen. How many want to grow? Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's read the word of God. The end of all things is near. Come on, read with me. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. Come on, come on, tech, y'all. Amen. I'll read mine then. Amen. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. I'm glad I had already read and knew what it said. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let's read verse 9 again. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. 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 And I want to hang this title on this text. Amen. If there's one. Amen. Uh, and it would be the urgency of commitment. The urgency of commitment. I don't, I don't know if you're here or not, but some people were best 
under the pressure of a deadline. Amen. You, you give them a deadline and the job will get done. They, they work best under the pressure of a deadline. And can I be real with you and tell you that oftentimes I'm one of them. One of the reasons that I was a little delayed this morning because I didn't have the pressure of the deadline going to my own church. Amen. I, I just need to be here time, time to preach. Amen. Amen. And so I found myself not being as intently focused in getting where it is I needed to get to. Amen. Y'all don't say amen much here. Amen. Uh, but brothers and sisters, there's a special urgency when you know you only have a limited time to produce. Yeah, yeah. You see, it seems to sharpen the focus of our minds and help our concentration level. And I'm definitely more committed to the task at hand when there's pressure. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody say pressure. Yeah, yeah. You think of people who, who know that they don't have very long to live and the end is near. And for some of them, the end might even be imminent. It could come at any time. The doctors say for sure, you know, you don't have much time left. And so that pressure causes them to do things they wouldn't normally do. You think of people that in, in that situation. What a change in perspective for most, if not all of us, all of us if God told us that on May the 19th, 2013, was going to be your last day on this earth, what, what would we change? What, how would our focus be different? You, you see, time is precious, and our perspective towards time helps to determine our priorities. Amen, somebody. You know, if we ain't got much time, then we're more focused in doing and getting done the things that we need to do and to get done. Therefore, that's why people develop what they call the bucket list. You know, when they say they ain't got much time, then they got a bucket list. And then they go on the bucket list and they do this and do that. All because they think that time is winding up. Amen. Time is precious. Amen. Amen. And then our perspective towards time helps to determine those priorities. Well, can I tell you? Can I tell you? Can I tell you? Come close. Amen. Peter in our text has already told his readers to live for eternity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is one essential perspective towards time that will help them maintain righteous living in the face of persecution. Yeah, yeah, you got to live for eternity. Therefore, when you get persecuted, amen, you're not downtrodden because you know somebody that has already overcome persecution. I ain't got no help up in here. I'll preach to myself then. And my grandbaby will say amen. If y'all don't say it, amen. Skylar will holler out amen on y'all, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So, so, so Peter, Peter, Peter wants the readers, he, he, he's writing that, that they want to, main, uh, to maintain the essential perspective towards time that will help them maintain righteous living in the face of persecution. But there's another perspective that is essential as well. Basically, he has shared that we must learn how to accept 
suffering and commit yourself to the will of God, knowing you will be vindicated and victorious. Can I tell somebody, the Bible says in this life, you shall have trials and tribulations. Come on, come on, let me take my glasses off so I can really see you. Amen. I'm tired of folk in the church. Maybe it don't happen here at the mission, amen. But tired of folk that get saved, sanctified, and filled with the precious Holy Ghost. And then when stuff happens in their life, they want to throw in the towel. God said, in this life, in this saved, sanctified life, you shall touch your neighbor and say, you're going to have some troubles. Amen. Oh, oh, you don't believe me. You don't believe me. You don't believe me. Let me tell you, the washer will break. The dryer won't dry. The, the lawnmower won't mow. The dishwasher won't wash. The car won't crank. In this life, you're going to have some sniffles. In this life, cancer will knock on your door. In this life, calamities will come your way. I'm talking to save folks. It's going to happen. But you got to know something. You've been vindicated. And you're victorious. I've already overcome. Any overcomers here? Don't fool me now. Don't fool me now. In case you in case you take a notice, the big idea of the whole message, amen, in a nutshell is accept suffering and commit yourself to the will of God, knowing the end is imminent. Yeah. I got two, three points, and I'm through, amen. Get out real early today. <laughs> Maybe. Amen. First of all, first of all, the need for urgency of commitment or the end of things is at hand. It was true back in the days of the first century church, and it must be even more true if that's possible in 2013 in the 21st century church. Throughout the epistle, Paul has been laying the foundation for this perspective towards time, uh, that we are in the last days and must live accordingly. If you were to study, you'd find out in chapter one, verse five, uh, Peter said, uh, salvation is ready to be revealed at the last time. Then in verse 6, he said, trials and suffering are only for a little while. Then in verse 13, he, he very parallel, he links eschatological hope with urgency of commitment to the holiness of the will of God in the present. And he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's setting them up. Verse 20, he says, Christ has chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Amen. Then over in chapter 2, verse 12, he says, live good lives because day of visitation is coming. Then in chapter 4, verse 5, he says, the judge is standing at the door. Christ is holding himself in readiness to judge the living and the dead at his return will mean vindication and victory for us. In other words, Peter's trying his best to tell us that we cannot afford to take lazy, laid-back approach towards this Christian life. You've got to live every day like it's your last day. 
See, once you're saved, then you got to keep on pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God that's in Christ Jesus. You, no matter what life hands you out, you got to keep on pressing. It amazes me, Pastor Venice, how, how, how many funerals I have, I have served over of those that have been in the church. Amen. And folk lose their mind when their loved ones go and leave this earthly realm. Baby, let me tell you, you can't get to heaven without dying. Unless the Lord comes back in the rapture. And so therefore, we've got to urgently prepare for eternity. Oh, don't get it twisted. I miss my mama. I think about it all the time. Amen. But I didn't lose my mama. She relocated to her permanent forwarding address. Can I tell you where it is? It's in eternity. She did not work in this vineyard this long trying to help her babies learn about Jesus to get to heaven, amen, for me to sulk and lose my hope. My hope is built not on mama, but my hope is built on Nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. You know, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes sometime we got to check ourselves as Christians. Amen. How is the world ever going to get better? Don't raise your hand on this. But if us saved folk keep acting unsaved when stuff happens in our lives, if, if, you, if, you, if you really want to know the problem in the world, the mass shootings, talking about the arm and teachers in the school, you know what the problem is? The problem is really in the church. You don't believe me. The Old Testament says, if my people who are called by my name, in case you're wondering what the name is, the name is Christian, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then God said, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal in the crack house. I'll heal in the alcoholic center. I'll heal the prostitutes. I'll heal the land. But you can't keep jumping up on Sunday morning singing there's a bomb in Gilead to heal a sin-sick soul. And then when your soul gets sick, you never turn to the bomb of Gilead. Let, 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 let me just help somebody. Let me just help somebody. Let me help somebody. One of the biggest, one of the biggest, one of the biggest tragedies in our land and country right now, other than the mass shooting, is called suicide especially among young people. But, but say, folks, you need to understand something. Suicide is the ultimate goal of the devil. I, I, ain't, got, I ain't got time right now, but in, in the book of Luke, I believe it is, it, it talks about devil taking depression. And he wants to get you so depressed that you lose your mind. Up in here, up in here. That's the devil. And so that's why we learn in this text a little bit later, we got to encourage and urge each other. Yeah. 
You ain't got to be up in folk business. But if you save, you ought to be in the business of encouraging. The world is full of haters. The church ought to be full of lovers and encouragers. Amen, lights. Peter's trying his best to tell us that we cannot afford to be lazy in our approach to this Christian life. And maybe Peter, Peter, I know what you're saying. Maybe he had fallen asleep back in the Garden of Gethsemane instead of watching and praying because he, he really hadn't believed that the end of Christ's earthly ministry was at hand. Where was his sense of urgency then? I know that's what you're saying. Amen. In the New Testament, the approach of the end is always accompanied by a challenge to watchfulness and inapproachable behavior. The end, or teleos in the Greek, uh, from a word that originally meant to turn around, or the turning point, or the hinge, the culminating point at which one stage ends and another begins. Amen. And so as a Christian, we are expected to teleos. Amen. We are expected to end one thing and begin the other. Amen. You ought to have a new way of walking. Yeah, a new way of talking. And that's not to say, don't get it wrong, don't get it twisted, and you ain't heard me say this. That's not to say that you're to be perfect, but you are to mature. And can I just get on your last nerve since I'm on your corn anyway? You will never mature if you never study the Word of God. You, you will never mature if you don't allow the word to saturate you and allow you to grow thereby. Yeah, the end is near. The perfect tense with the result is that it's imminent and it's, it's at hand. It's now. And if you don't think that we're in end times, you ought to pick up the paper sometime. You, 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 ought to, you ought to turn on CNN sometime. My wife is a news junkie, amen. And, 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 and any time you turn on the news, it's always about who done killed who, who done slept with who, what gender is who, hello somebody, and who done shot up somewhere. Amen, somebody. You talking about that ain't the end times. The Bible says that in the last days, Men will become lovers of themselves. You know, that's that if it feel good, I can do it attitude. Amen. No matter who it hurt. Hey, it's my thing. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to tell you who I'm going to sock it to. Amen. That, that, that's the kind of world that we're living in. And so, 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 so it's clear to me, as much as I respect my president, amen, the solution ain't in the White House. It's apparent to me, as much as I respect the office of the governor of the state of Ohio, the solution ain't there. It's apparent to me that as much as I respect the mayor of whatever city, the solution ain't there. But it is in the word of God. Let, let, let me move on. Let me move on before, before, I, before, I, before I really... 
so the urgency, the end, the end's at hand. The end's at hand. It, it's at hand. It's at hand. It's at hand. Hunt your neighbor and wake him up and say, it's at hand. Second point, second point, second point I want to share with you is that you got to have a commitment to God. A commitment to God. What Peter's actually saying is you got to think it straight. Be sensible and serious. And that's opposite of ignorant and fr uh, being frivolous. Sensible and serious. This is real business here. Too often we go off half-cocked and pervert some doctrine into irresponsible living. Amen. You know, we make up stuff that the Bible says and it ain't in the Bible. I tell you, I tell you I've, been, I've, I've been preaching, amen, for 31 years, pastor for 20, amen. So you ain't going to hurt my feelings if you don't say amen. I know, I know the truth, amen, amen, amen. And, and Peter knew it too. He had a case in point when the, when the Thess Thessalonian believers felt a sense of urgency of living in the last days but responded by quit working. They, they understood that these were the last days, and then the first thing they did was quit working. We need the input and counsel and exhortation of the body to protect us against stupid mistakes and enable us to think straight. Quit making up stuff that ain't in the Bible. Before you get saved, you got to do this and got to do that, and you got to dress this way, and you got to dress that way, and you got to talk like this and talk like that. Let me tell you, I didn't get to where I am until after I got saved. And I still got some ways to go. I know you, I know you perfect already. <laughs> but, but I'm still working on this building, amen. Amen. I, I teach in Middletown what the Bible says. The Bible says, scarcely... Are you saved? Unless you start boasting. Start bragging about what you do and what you don't do. Amen. Let the right situation come your way. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. I do some work at a halfway house out on Highway 63. And I was there one morning, and the vendor guy was there filling up the machine. He'd come in, and he'd been, you know, putting the stuff in the machine. Well, his truck was in the parking lot, and the, the, the gate was up. <laughs> I'm at the halfway house. Convicted felons live at the halfway house. The vendor got soda in the truck, Twinkies in the truck, Twizzlers in the truck. And the gate of the truck is up. Myron, there would have been a time. He'd have got back to the truck. 
and he would have had no more product to take to the next stop. I'm just saying. I'm just saying what went through my mind. But then the responsible Christian said, come here, sir. So look, I need all the help I can to stay saved. If you don't start closing that truck. Amen. You know, some stuff I don't do no more. Don't get it twisted. But I ain't forgot how. And see, we want to make folk believe because we done run down the aisle, gave Pastor Venice our hand that automatically we don't ever think about nothing no more. Quit lying. You got to be honest and tell folk what you, what them, uh, that went through my mind. But then I had to share with folk. The solution was to let this mind be in you, which is also in. But see, you didn't know that scripture was in there because you don't study the word of God. And so the responsible thing was to tell the man, close your truck. And many of us in the church, we hinder folk from really getting saved because they see this perfected Christianity that does not exist in this earthly realm. All have sinned. And all. Mother Richardson would say, from the pulpit to the door have fallen short of the glory of God. And baby, let me just help you. If you think it, it's just like you did it. So don't you look at me in those sanctified eyes. How'd I get way over there? We need to input and counsel and exhort of the body to protect us against stupid mistakes and enable us to think straight. It ain't about whether, I'm not the Holy Ghost police. I tell folk that all the time. I ain't running around peeping in windows and seeing who doing what and who, 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 yeah. That is not in our job description. Our job description said to feed the flock. Amen. Listen, the Holy Ghost can take care of you. And will take care of you. Better than I think I could take care of you. Amen. So think straight. So the commitment is not to the pastor. The respect is to the pastor. But the commitment is to God. And let me just really get on your other coin since I'm there. Amen. If you don't respect your pastor, you're not committed to God. I knew we wouldn't get no amens right now. We've got to work at living a disciplined lifestyle. Be sober, free from excuses, or excuse me, free from excess. 
compassion, rashness, confusion, self-control, not carried away by self-indulgence or excitement, harness, or our emotions, only possible if we are thinking straight. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to think straight. Appropriately, God's will and resources through prayer, the priority of prayer uh, ought to be in, in, in your life, a sustained and effective prayer. How can you take time for prayer if you are living with a sense of urgency? And if you're living with a sense of urgency, then you have to take time to pray without ceasing. Can I ask you a question? Don't raise your hand. Don't answer out loud. Do you think you can effectively worship God and minister to others according to your own plan and based on your own resources or only according to God's plan and with his resources? The answer, listen, in case you don't know, it's only with God's plan and God's resources. So therefore, you got to pray. You got to take time to be holy. You got to speak often with the Lord. Amen. Forgetting in nothing his blessings to seek. Amen. Be careful for nothing but by prayer and supplication. Oh, so we got some Bible readers in here. A amen. Let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to keep your heart and your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's how I'm kept. I don't know about anybody else. Amen. That's how I'm kept. Amen. Third and finally, unless I hold you too long. Amen. Oh, oh shoot. I got 45 more minutes. Shoot. You got to be determined. The end is near. It's imminent. Got to be committed to God. And thirdly, we got to be committed to one another. And I know the tenor and the flavor has already been in the message, but it's right here in the text. Amen. Amen. Verse 4. Verse 4. Put verse 4 up there on the screen if you can, uh, please. Amen. And we're going to go into the subsequent verses. Amen. I want everybody to see it. Turn to verse 4. Chapter 4, verse, uh, excuse me. Uh, that's why y'all looking at me crazy. Chapter 4, verse 8. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Above all, love each other deeply. Amen. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. Amen. We got to have mutual love. And it's the same concept that Peter talks about in chapter 1, verse 22, uh, of aggressive love directed towards the body of Christ above all. That's what 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, talks about. Uh, the, the ministry is implied by only from the, this solid foundation that love is a priority. Amen. Amen. And if it's a priority, that means it's fervent. Amen. Amen. That means, and if it's fervent, that means it's stretched and strained. Yes. Deacon Jefferson talking about he's been married 55 years, and, and, and mother and sister Willis have been married 62 years. If you talk to them, there's some stress and some strain with real love. Amen, somebody. Can I help you young couples? Amen, right quick. Amen. Amen. If you're going to stay married, amen, there's going to be some stress and some strain. Amen. But that's what real love is all about. Amen. 
it's a priority. Amen. It, 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 it exhorts the powers to the full extent. You know, it, it's like the horse reaching the wire or the racer reaching the wire. You know, the end is there. And, and so you just stretch a little bit further. And that's what we have to learn to do in our relationships. Amen. Is, amen. When you think you're at with sin, stretch a little more. When you think you can't forgive and forget, forget and forgive a little more. Amen. And the same thing happens in the body of Christ. We, uh, why, why, why do we need to keep an aggressive loving one another? Okay, Because love covers a multitude of sins. That's what Peter says. Hate loves to dig up dirt and broadcast it and gloat. Yeah, that's what our media-orientated society with emphasis on the hard-hitting expose has conditioned us to believe that it's our right and our responsibility to know the sins of others and then inform everybody else. Ask TMZ, amen. Don't twist or misconstrue what I'm saying. It's true that some sins require addressing, either individual confrontation or public exposure. But when we get to know someone well, you notice their faults and love is needed to esteem them more highly than the irritations that they're causing you. You see, the question is, are we committed to fervently loving one another? And you don't stay married 55 and 62 years unless you have the commitment. Ouch. Amen. To stress and strain just a little bit more. And even in the church, folk gonna get on your nerves up in here, up in here. Everybody ain't gonna do it like you do it. Everybody ain't gonna think like you think. Everybody ain't gonna walk like you walk. And so love says that I stress and strain to love them all the more, even through the irritations that they cause in me. Can I tell you, in the 20, 20 plus years, because I've been at United 20 years, and I was at St. Mary four and a half years, amen, almost five years, and almost 25 years of preaching and pastoring, some folk done got on my nerves. Can, can, can I just be real with you? And I, and I really wanted to tell him a thing or two. Had a lady just the other, 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 other week come up to me, uh, one of my members. I ain't going to tell you her name. Amen. Telling me about something that she didn't like that happened three weeks previously. That's just how I looked at her, too. But you know what love had me to do? God bless you. Thank you. And I just moved on. But that ain't what some of y'all will do. Say, what? <laughs> you sh- Amen, lights. I lost my shoe. Amen. It was an accident. Amen. Forgive me, Lord. Ain't that what we do? But that's not what the word says, do. The word says love, stretch, stretch a little bit more. You see, when you find folk that irritate you, that says that God, that, that's God telling you you need to stretch some more. 
Amen. Remember, remember I, I just said, and you said amen, your commitment has to be to God first. And when your commitment was got to God first, then you respect the leadership that God has put in place. And so every battle ain't for you to fight. Matter of fact, unless you think it's your job, amen, the Lord said, I'll fight your battles. So you thought I was going somewhere else, uh-huh. But you just be still. I have witnessed God so many times when he says, be still and know that I am God. And being still means to keep your mouth shut. What does the song say to you? If I couldn't say a word, I just wave my hand. <laughs> we got to have mutual, strong, fervent love for each other. Secondly, in verse 9, verse 9, it says, amen, in this whole thing of commitment to one another, uh, it, it says in verse 9, love strangers. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Cheerfully sharing food, shelter, spiritual refreshment with those God brings into your life. Listen, anybody that comes into your life is not by chance, but it's by design by God. And, and, and these are the excuses that folk are using in the church why they don't show hospitality to, to them that they don't know. Oh, that's too expensive. Oh, they've got inadequate facilities. Oh, I'm not an exhorter. I don't have time. My schedule's full. Well, have you ever thought about the fact that God had time for you when you was lost? And, and one of the things that, 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 that my wife is learning to to respect more as God uses me more. Sometimes God tells me to do stuff and I just do it and it don't make sense. Spend money I really ain't got. But it, and it don't make sense. But every time, every time, when I do what God says do to the stranger, can I tell you he blesses even the more and so you got to be careful. You got to be careful about who you picking and choosing, who you gonna show hospitality to. N not mutual hospitality, but also mutual ministry. And that's the verse 10, 10 and eleven. Verse ten and eleven. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Amen. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And that's a big period right there. Amen. Mutual ministry is the responsibility of all believers, each one. I remember New Mission, I think you had a theme at one time, each one reach one, amen. It's everybody's responsibility to reach the lost, amen. All of us. Mutual responsibility is responsibility of all believers. Mutual ministry is, is for the benefit of the body. 
the body of Christ, serving one another, not to puff yourself up or to puff myself up, that others think I'm so great and grandiose. Amen. But it's to puff up the body of Christ that they might see a few of my good works, but then want to glorify my Father, which is in heaven. That, that's my goal. That's my goal, and that ought to be your goal in ministry. It's the concept of civil servant. Used to be sacrificing income, potential, and power to sacrificially serve the public. Now much empire building and self-promotion happens because of civil servants. Well, the same thing happens in ministry. Ministry to be effective, sacrifice is involved. If the ministry of this church is going to be effective, sacrifice is involved. Sacrifice is Sacrifice. Sacrifice is stretching out and going beyond what you normally do. Sacrifice is not doing the same thing all the time because it's easy to do. And some of you are sitting here now and you haven't sacrificed one iota since you got saved. And I as a member of, but then you're lazy at choir rehearsal, lazy to usher meeting, lazy at deacon meeting, Lazy at preacher meeting, lazy at coming to church, lazy at Sunday school, just lazy, lazy, lazy. I'm going back to Middletown. We have got to learn that in this Christian journey, it requires sacrifice of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Your money. I knew the amens would get real. They get real shallow when you talk about money. But the Bible says bring all your tithes and your offerings to the storehouse. As a matter of fact, can I tell you, you know, many of you missed this part, amen. But, but God says if you'll be obedient and tithe, then I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. See, 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 some of us did tithe, amen. Some, some, some of the stuff the devil wanted to get us on. Couldn't, yeah. God did the MC hammer on them. Can't touch this. See, 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 when you're obedient to what God says to do, God will put a hedge around you. God will put a fence around you. And even... Uh, when folk mean it for evil. God has a way of turning around for your good. Now don't get it twisted. Everything don't feel and taste good. But all things work together. For the good of them that love God and are called according yeah, to his purpose. 
Mutual ministry. And then mutual ministry is the stewardship from God. No pride. It's from God. Ministry as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Mutual ministry is a conduit. It's the pipeline for the resources of God. Examples of ministering in word and deed. Whatever God gives you to whatever extent, God wants you to pass it on. God wants you to share it with somebody else. If you're so saved, then share your salvation with somebody else. Let somebody else know. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. Uh, mutual ministry is for the glory of God through Jesus the Christ. Well, as I hasten to a close, Peter is trying to tell us that we need to learn how to accept suffering and commit ourselves uh, to the will of God. Knowing that the end is imminent. That there's a need for urgency in these last days for us to make one commitment or another. We need to learn to be committed to God. And as a result of our being committed to God, then we learn to be committed to others. That's what will benefit the body of Christ. That's what will be good stewardship. That's what will cause us to be the resources, the pipeline that gets somebody to see the love of God. We've got to learn that on this Christian journey, all that we say and all that we do is about bringing the glory to God. I'm so glad that at verse 11 of 1 Peter chapter 4, that Peter ends it with the word amen. Amen. See, it says that there's no longer any more discussion. Whether or not you want to accept it or not. That's it. That's the way that it is. Well, my brothers and my sisters, the resurrection of Jesus the Christ is the bedrock of our faith and from which we draw every blessing that we have in Christ. I could put an amen right there. The resurrection, we are encouraged to have a new birth, a living hope, a sure inheritance, a divine protection, and joy in our suffering, genuine faith uh, that Jesus is coming back again. Amen. Therefore, my hope is built uh, on nothing less uh, than Jesus' blood uh, and his righteousness. Uh, I dare not trust uh, the sweetest frame, but wholly lean uh, 
on Jesus' name. You see, I found out that hope shines in the darkest hour. Hope motivates when discouragement comes. Hope energizes when the body gets tired. Hope sweetens when life is bitter. Hope sings when the melodies are gone. Hope believes when the evidence is eliminated. Hope listens for answers when nobody's talking. Hope climbs over obstacles when nobody's helping you. Hope endures hardships when nobody's caring. Hope smiles confidently when nobody's laughing. Hope reaches for answers when nobody's asking. And hope presses toward the victory when nobody's encouraging. Hope dares to give when no one is sharing. And hope brings the victory when nobody seems to be winning. You see, it's not about whether or not you win, but it's about the fact that Jesus has already won. Amen. How do you know he won? Because the record said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Can I share somebody with somebody before I go to my seat? One day I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply I was stained within. I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry. And from the water, he lifted me, and now safe am I. I found out it was Mary's baby that came down 40 and two generations. I found out it was Mary's baby that taught in the temple. I found out it was Mary's baby that ministered to the sick, opened blinded eyes, loose stammering tongues. I found out it was Mary's baby that unstopped deaf ears, and it was Mary's baby for my sin-sick soul that one Friday he got hung up high and stretched out wide. I found out he hung his head and he died and he stayed dead for three long days. But can I tell somebody, I get so excited when I think about the fact that on resurrection morning, he got up with all power in heaven and earth in the palm of his hand. And therefore, whatever life hands me out, whatever life tries to string me out, he's got the power. He's got the power, the power to pick me up, the power to turn me around, the power to place my feet on solid ground. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I'm determined to run on to see what the end's going to be. I don't feel no ways tired because it brought me too far just to leave me. Thank you, New Mission, for my upbringing. Thank you, New Mission, for teaching me to stay in the Word of God. Thank you, New Mission, for praying for me. But just know wherever I go, it's not just about the local church, but it's about somebody knowing about somebody that'll save anybody. If you're sick in sin, if drugs have got you, if alcoholism have got you, if lying has got you, if cheating has got you, I know somebody that sits at the right hand of God the Father, and he's making intercession for you.
God wants us in the church to have a determined commitment to God. Time's winding up. My time and your time. It's winding up. Listen, babies, babies, children are looking for solutions. And we're not offering it to them. And when we don't, we, the body of Christ, don't offer it to them, then the world will give them pseudo-fixes. They'll tell them that Facebook is the answer. They'll tell them Twitter is the answer. They'll tell them, tell them Google is the answer. They'll tell them Xbox is the answer. But the answer is Jesus Christ. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Thank you, Sister Connie. Amen. That's a good thing. Because I ain't got to wake up wondering what God's going to do. Wondering who God is. He's the same when I lay down. He's the same when I wake up. So though the storms keep on raging in your life, and sometimes it's hard to tell the night from day. Still there's hope that lies within. It's reassured. If you keep your eyes upon the distant shore, I know he'll lead you safely to that blessed place. He has prepared. But ear the storm, the smallest don't see. And if the wind keep on blowing in your life, your You gotta be The currents, they seem so fierce, but it's in the Word of God that we, we have our anchor. It'll keep us steadfast, unmovable, despite the time. 
breathe the storm if they don't cease and just in case the winds winds keep on blowing in your life My soul, my soul is sank, my soul is sank, my soul is sank. you to Jesus. You can come as a candidate for baptism. Come on your Christian experience. Come by letter. Recommit rededication to Christ. But just don't sit idly. But come on. My soul is sank. My soul is sank. 